0: Coming up on this week's show, Pat Henshaw is here to take us back to Foothills Pride. Plus, Lisa has some book recommendations. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts,
1: Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode number 87 of Jeff and
0: Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willcanals.com. This week's episode is sponsored in part by listeners just like you. We'll have more information on how you can help support this show in just a few minutes. Happy June to you. Indeed. Happy Pride Month. Yes. Uh, We have already seen some pictures in social media of... All the fun and shenanigans going on across the U.S. of A. Mm-hmm. Good stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I'm sure we'll be seeing lots more as the month
1: rolls on. Yeah. How was your week? <laughs> same old, same old? You don't have anything to report. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a piece of the week in Dallas. Yes, you did. Um, and had an interesting... I got to visit my friend Dave, who we talked about on the show periodically. Hi, Dave. Uh, who runs the First slide magazine? But then I also ended up seeing friends who I played hockey with in New York. Two people from two different parts of the world happened to be in Dallas, and that was very cool to catch up with my Tiger teammates, mm-hmm. which is fun. I also submitted Code Name Winger Two this week. Yay! Yay! I'm very proud of you. And even started plotting number three. We well, just don't quit. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> Got books to write, man. Yes, you do. Got books to write. Things turn in. Fantastic. Good to hear. So speaking of pride, and we were just seconds ago.
0: (laughs) Mere moments ago, yes. uh,
1: There is a huge equality march coming up on Saturday, June 11th that we kind of wanted to send a shout out to. Now, the mission of this march, which is going to be based in D.C., is to mobilize the LGBTQ plus communities, our loved ones and our allies, with particular focus on those who have been actively silenced and neglected in the fight to affirm and protect our rights, our safety and our full humanity. So important in the political climate we live in currently in this country. So not only is there the big march in D.C., there are dozens of solidarity events across the country and around the world. So if what happens to be near you and you feel safe in participating in it, we encourage you to go and uh, wave the pride flag, if you will. You can get all the details on the upcoming march at EqualityMarch2017.org. Good stuff. hmm other good stuff this week, Coastal Magic announced uh, its initial featured author lineup, which is very cool. Now, Coastal Magic will take place February 22 through 25, 2018, at Daytona Beach. Uh, it focuses on paranormal, urban fantasy, and romance, but there is an amazing lineup of LGBT authors that come into that mix as well, including Mary Calme Charlie Cochet, Poppy Dennison, Hank Edwards, Amy Lane... Sean Michael, Terry Michaels, C.S. Poe, T.M. Smith, Victoria Sue, Damon Sway, Julia Talbot, and B.A. Tartuga. How's that for a lineup? That's a pretty amazing lineup. though. <laughs> this continues to be an event that we wish we could get to, and we're going to see how our 2018 travel schedule turns up. But certainly if you're on the East Coast or, you know, want a February trip to Florida, and who wouldn't in the yeah, middle of winter? that'd be nice. Um Keep a watch on CoastalMagicConvention.com. Their general registration will open July 1st. And I believe we'll be having some folks from Coastal Magic on a little later this summer to talk even more
0: about what's to come there. Cool. Yeah. Sounds fun. Okay. We have some patrons to thank this week. Mm-hmm. A very big thank you to our newest patron, Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the family, and we also want to thank Juliana, who has upped her pledge this week. Yes, that I, I just it kind of
1: gave me a little warm, warmth to my heart when I saw that email come in that a pledge had been upped. So thank
0: you, Juliana. That's very sweet that yes. you, you're you're in for more now. Yes, we really, really, genuinely appreciate it. Now you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. Now, for as little as $0.25 cents an episode, your pledge helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing this podcast. And for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I will be updating the upcoming guests. Updating the upcoming guests. There's some bad <laughs> uh, uh Post a little later this week because we have booked some additional guests. We are now officially booked. Through our 100th episode. I know, right? I, I, I,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm gobsmacked. I know. That's <laughs> kind of crazy. That's really uh, amazing. So uh, you can get more details on becoming a patron at patreon.com slash big gay fiction podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com com forward slash big gay fiction podcast. Yeah. Uh,
1: And now, you know, it's summertime, and so everybody's looking for good books to read. And I'm very pleased to be able to welcome back Lisa from The Novel Approach, who has got some recommendations for us, including she's gotten to read the new Michael Scott Garvin book. Oh, my God. Well, you're jealous, aren't you? (laughs) I am a little bit jealous that she's already read that book, and she's going to have the scoop for us coming up right here. So we're excited to have Lisa from The Novel Approach back with us. Hello. Hello.
3: Hi, Jeff. it's glad I'm glad to be back. Good to see you again. Yeah,
1: it's been way too long since we've had you on talking about some books.
3: Yeah. And
1: I know from our, our little pre-recorded chat that uh, you've gotten to read a book from an author who wrote one of my favorites of last year, Michael Scott Garvin.
3: I did. I had the pleasure and, and, and the great opportunity to uh, read his upcoming book. Um, it is called Aunt Sookie and Me. And uh, do you want me to show the cover? Do you think sure, it'll for be our thinking, video Okay, audience, well, let's take a is, look. This is what I have, and I don't know if everybody will be able to see it, but but this is the cover for Aunt Suki and Me, and we'll be doing an official cover reveal on the blog next week with uh, with giveaways too. But uh, but that is in case you miss that coming up next week on the blog. That's the official cover. Yeah, we should uh, say
1: you're you're revealing it in the uh, second week of May, and this yes. will actually be going out. In our, our recording will go out in June, so it's a, it, we'll link to it in case people missed it.
3: Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yes, I get all these dates mixed up. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's a very, very different book, very different book from A Faithful Son, um, set in 1964, Savannah, Georgia. The narrator is a little girl named Poppy Wainwright. Um, Poppy is not, not an orphan, but her, uh, she does, she does not have any uh, contact with her father. I'm, uh, I, I don't want to reveal too much, but her mother, um, her mother has, uh, issues. She's got some, some issues with, uh, um, some alcohol and drug abuse. And so Poppy has lived with her grandmother. In, uh, in Arkansas, and her grandmother passes away, and so uh, Poppy is shipped off to live with her Aunt Sookie in Savannah, Georgia. And uh, the best way to describe Aunt Sookie, bless her heart, in the most Southern kind of way, is uh, she's, they, they say that the difference between being crazy and being eccentric is how much money you have in the bank. Well, I don't know. Aunt Sookie <laughs> is either crazy or eccentric, but she's all the way there. Um, she's, she's just a, a cantankerous, uh, old woman. She's just, uh, Southern just, uh, I also a- had to think about, uh, as I was reading the book, uh, Weezer from Steel Magnolias. <coughs> she hasn't been, and she, she's just been in a bad mood for 40 years. She's not crazy. That's the Aunt <laughs> He's just, cr- just crazy and in a bad mood most of the time, but, uh, she takes little poppy in and uh and and the story is told in the first person from poppy's point of view and poppy uh poppy isn't isn't at all what you think she is on the surface Uh, you find that out eventually and uh and aunt sookie you would not uh you wouldn't think that aunt sookie would be uh the kind of woman to accept everyone at face value but she she is she's poppy's biggest champion and but but Kind of uh, tempers tempers that with a little bit of uh, a tough love, you know. But uh, it's got a lot of humor, a lot of humor, and uh, then of course it wouldn't be a Michael Scott Garvin book if it didn't hit you right in the feels too. But so there's there's a little heartbreak, little humor. Um, it, it's it's written very much in in the language of the time. So some of the some of the uh, the language to our more modern sensibilities might feel a little jarring, but it was, you know, it's, uh, it's very much, very much realistic to the mid 1960s in in uh, the deep South. So mm-hmm. that was a, it's a fun book. It's a fun book. I'm, I'm looking forward to it getting out there. And, and uh, so, yeah, so we're doing the cover reveal uh, the week of what will that be?
1: May
3: 7th, May 7th, May 15th. May 15th. Yes, we'll be doing the cover reveal and doing a giveaway, a couple of hard copies and a couple of e-copies of the book Michael's going to give away. So, so yeah, so it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So, um, so that one, that one is, is, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, I think people who liked a faithful son or loved a faithful son, as we both did, mm-hmm. uh, they will definitely recognize this as a Michael Scott Garvin book, but again, it's just uh, in a completely different vein. So, yeah, so yeah,
1: I'm it, excited. It's, I'm excited. It's, it's top of my it's top TBR of my... list for sure to, to be able to read yeah. that.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. so. So, uh, then along the same vein of cover reveals on May 22nd, we will have revealed, um, TJ Klune's, uh, A destiny of dragons, which is the sequel to the lightning struck heart. So really, really excited that we got to, we got the opportunity to do that. Um, and I'm sure everybody's just chomping at the bit Well, also that will be the also also the uh official reveal of the release date too i don't even think that anybody knows the release date yet so so again speaking in retrospect that was really <laughs> exciting folks if you missed it you know we'll uh we'll have a link back yeah, to we'll it definitely sure. link up
1: to that too because i'm i always love tj covers um
3: yes yeah and I, yeah, i'm looking sorry.
1: forward to see what he does what he with this because of course lightning struck hard is such a gorgeous cover on its own
3: yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of the great things about it. His covers is you never know what to expect because they're all so unique mm-hmm. and they're, yeah, yeah. So, and they're, they're not, they're definitely not the, the cookie cutter, you know, uh, book covers. So, and I think what we were talking about, Paul Richmond did uh, the lightning struck heart. So I'm sure that with as, as amazing as that cover was and as, as striking as that cover was, I'm sure that uh, a destiny of dragons is going to be just as fun and, and, and brilliant. So so that was it. That's exciting. So, yeah, we got to got to do that. And uh, of course, the end of May is TJ's birthday. So it all coincided with his birthday as well. Oh, Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of great cover reveals we get to do in the month of May, or we got to do in the month of May. I need to remember to speak (laughs) in the past tense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's weird when you when you're living in the future a little bit. Yeah,
3: I kinda suck at this, don't I? (laughs)
1: It's all good.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, whatever.
1: (laughs) Now you you've also read a a DSP publication
3: recently. Oh my gosh, you wanted to publications. the series was actually, uh, at least the first book, I think it was only the first book, it was originally published uh, by DSP um, before DSPP ever came along. Uh, it was published originally, I think, back in 2012. And uh, this is uh, Amy Ray Durison's Reawakening series. Um, it's uh, it's an, a, Reawakening was book one, Resistance is book two, and book three, the one that I just read and reviewed yesterday, came out on May 9th, um, w- is Recovery. And this world is just—it is such a phenomenal, high fantasy alternate universe uh, series. It's full of just uh, mythology, the the dragons, and um, you know, there's in this latest book everything from Nixies to Selkie to Hydra to pirates to you know, it's just this big, huge world. But she writes in such a way that it never feels overwhelming. It never feels cumbersome, like there's just too much going on. Everything is just uh, weaves together so well. And, and uh, the crux of the story is the, the dragons are reawakening after a thousand years of, of sleep uh, after the last dragon war. And uh, so as the dragons are reawakening, um, they are having to reestablish their hordes, which is the people who pledge their hearts and loyalty to them. And this is where the dragons gain their strength. And and uh, the heart of the horde is is the person with whom the dragon dragon lord uh, in his human form ends up being his greatest treasure, you know, the, the heart of, of his hoard. So, um, each of the stories is, I, I wouldn't say that they can be read as standalones. You really just have to know the whole world in order to be able to connect. But this latest one recovery, uh, even has a little bit of a different feel. It, it steps out in scope to a different part of, of the world. Um, the, the, uh, protagonist, is uh, is a very uptight, very uh, stoic and staid, um, b- because of his his culture. Um, it, it almost uh, it, there are a lot of sort of uh, religious overtones there uh, that which kind of ties in with the mythology. And there's you know politics and it's just. Uh, but he is he awakens the dragon uh, Arden, and Arden is kind of. Kind of flip, kind of playful, uh, and and they just kind of mix like oil and water, you know. So, the, so the, it's not not quite enemies to you know to to friends to lovers, but uh, but it takes them a while for them to understand each other and and open up to each other, and it's just suspense and action and and just the. the visual the imagery that she paints with her words is just so fantastic too so you can picture this hydra coming out of the water and attacking these you know it's just so great it's great so so yeah the reawakening series i recommend the entire series it's just fantastic but recovery by amy ray durison so put put that one on on the tbr pile if you if you love high fantasy i think that that's a it's a really really fantastic series
1: Sounds like a really, like a
3: really epic, epic summer epic read. Summer. It really is. It really is. I think that uh, you know the it, it, it epic is just the best word to describe it. It is epic fantasy because it, again it's just you know it's it, it's not compartmentalized into this the, one one little uh, uh, space in the universe and it's not it's not uh, it's not a a story where you where it's kind of a linear um following the relationship from beginning to end there's just so much other stuff going on that's influencing relationships and influencing the politics and 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 it's it's a it's ultimately too a story of good versus evil um, when you want to, when you want to, kind of get right down to the bare bones, because there is an evil presence that they're trying—the shadow that they that that uh, they are trying to to contain. So yeah, it's just really, really uh, epic. It's so good, so good. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, well, you,
2: were, I'm glad you, were, you,
1: were you were able, were able, able to share those three things with us. with us.
3: Yeah, I'm so glad that I was able to be here. I'm sorry that I keep getting my tenses mixed up. <laughs> and, yeah, no worries. But, yeah, my my future self apologizes. to me. <laughs>
1: all right well we look forward to having you back again hopefully in a tighter time frame this next time to hear more recommendations
3: yes thank you i'm looking forward to coming back again there's always always some great books out there to recommend
0: whether you prefer to spend your summer vacation poolside at the beach or in the air-conditioned comfort of home we've got the books that'll keep you turning pages all summer long and now to the big gay fiction podcast sweet summer fun paperback giveaway We're giving you the chance to win four terrific books by two amazing authors. The prize pack includes paperback copies of "Aiden's
1: Journey and Sex, Love, and Video Games by C. Jane Elliott, as well as Dumb Jock
0: and Trust Me by Jeff Erno. To enter, go to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com or visit the official giveaway page at BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash summer. If you can't get enough of stories filled with
1: young love, self-discovery, and happily ever afters, then you're not going to want to miss out on this. Go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash summer before the Rafflecopter ends on Sunday, June 11th.
0: And just a quick reminder that this is the very last week to enter the summer paperback giveaway. Mm-hmm. So be sure and get your entries in. That lasts until June 11th. Yes, this coming Sunday. Mm-hmm. BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash Summer. Don't miss out. So, you have read a book from one of our very favorite authors this week. Yes, I read a book by Ari McKay, who is just on our program, uh, talking about uh, her process and... And, all that, the, and, and the new Dream Spun with and Breaking Bonds. All of all of the things that they have on their slate for the coming year. I read one of their backlist titles. I read The Bigger They Come, which is the first novella in their Herc's Mercs series. Now, this story concerns uh, Cade. Uh, he is the Herc of the title. Uh, he runs a... Um, what's... Uh, <laughs> Maybe I should have thought about this before I attempted to talk about it. Um, he he runs a a uh, high high profile uh, bodyguard company. There has to be a better word to describe that. What is it? A,
3: a security uh, company.
0: Security company. Yes. Uh, personal security company. And he is hired to protect Jude, who is the uh, lead scientist and uh, the guy who is going to inherit inherit a uh, big pharmaceutical company. And Jude is being terrorized by uh, an ex, evil ex-boyfriend. So uh, Cade, Perk, is brought in to watch after him and protect him and make sure nothing bad happens to Jude. Um, uh, they don't like each other at first, uh, but then once they get to know each other, they get comfortable around one another. And uh, Cade is uh, allowed to do his job. Uh, Things, unfortunately, begin to escalate very quickly with this crazy pants ex-boyfriend. And it turns out that they think it's going to be a better idea, since they're always together anyway, that if Cade and Jude pretend to be a couple Mm -hmm. in order to spur a more drastic response from this ex-boyfriend so they can get him arrested and locked away for good. So they end up falling in love, of course, duh. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, they do get a response from the crazy ex, and uh, everything turns out okay in the end. I really uh, enjoyed this book, despite my craptastic description I just gave. Um, It's actually a really terrific book. It uh, combines uh, my favorite all-time trope. is a fake relationship. The fake-it-till-you-make-it kind of relationship Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, Plus Bodyguards. I'm kind of into Bodyguards now, I think. Um. Okay. The
1: the, first thing I thought of, for some reason, when you said Bodyguards, was that old Pamela Anderson series VIP. (laughs) I have no idea why.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm... Yeah. I'm into uh, it's not too surprising. I'm big alpha male protector types. I'm, I'm kind of into that. So, <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed this book. I liked Cade and Jude an awful lot. They have terrific chemistry. Uh, I, I thought Ari e. McKay really excelled at the dialogue. I thought the dialogue was, uh, really witty and it was smart and it helped move the plot forward. Um, which is, I think, I've only read a handful of Arya e. McKay books, but I think that's probably one of the touchstones of their mm. particular style. Um, it's that they reveal character and move plot forward with really terrific, insightful dialogue, uh, which I really, really enjoy. So I highly recommend The Bigger They Come, the first in the herx Merck series. Cool. Yeah.
1: So I've been reading... No doubt. Uh, I just don't have anything to review this week. I'm in the middle of a few books. Um, but what I did do, I spent my airline time mm-hmm. uh, getting to Dallas, watching five episodes of Empire, the last five of the season. Um, now, you you exited Empire. I did. Shortly after the midpoint season return. Yes, I did. Uh, and I kept with it. I'm so glad I did. Oh, my gracious. Um, I love how this show somehow manages to be totally over-the-top soap opera crazy, Mm -hmm. and yet also be somewhat smart. I don't quite know how they blend that together, but it works. Uh, Among the things that I really liked, and I might get spoilerly here, so if you haven't finished Empire yet, you might want to skip the next couple minutes. (laughs) Um, Felicia Rashad has been guest-starring as uh, the mother of mayoral mayoral candidate uh, Angelo Dubois. And in one of the first episodes I was watching, Angelo and Cookie's relationship, as you would expect, dissolved um, in a big, fiery way, because <laughs> a whole bunch of said was over said over an open mic that shouldn't have got a out, and it destroyed his candidacy completely. Um, do not piss Felicia Rashad off. You know, we saw it every now and then when one of the Cosby kids was out of the line, You saw her angry face. She's really showing it right now on Empire. (laughs) She has taken grandchildren. She is trying to destroy the lions. And it's pretty epic to watch. I think she's back uh, in next season as well. Because that storyline did not seem to reach a completion
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: in my view. In addition, uh, Cookie and Lucius have gotten back together for like the bajillionth time in the the run of the three-year series. Uh, with some fiery fireworks as they tried to open a casino in Las Vegas the F- I know right Let me just tell you you know you know they shoot in Chicago okay. and they they squeak by making New York locations <laughs> trying to make the facade of a Vegas casino was not their best moment.
0: <laughs> Did't work
1: <laughs> It was a tacky casino okay we'll sure whatever. <laughs> whatever. whatever and it looked a lot like the inside of Leviticus. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: most likely. <laughs>
1: Uh, Anyway, uh, at the end of the episode, uh, Lucius is blown up, and the closing of the episode is three months later, and he's amnesiac. Doesn't recognize anybody! So it's not quite what we had on Arrow where they blew everything up in a Moldavian moment, Mm -hmm. but they certainly pushed some kind of a reset button here, and I'm really curious what happens with the three-month time jump, because there's a lot of stuff going on there with Felicia Rashad and stuff that I would have expected should have played out somewhere in those three months. So we'll see what happens. And I really like what Fox did with the logo, because it it's always been, you know, Lucius and the Empire logo. And then for that little bit of time that Hakeem ran Empire, it actually switched out to his head in there. And then when Lucius was, like, not remembering anything, it was a big empty circle with the word Empire in it.
0: Um, okay. It's kind of sure. weird.
1: Anyway, I really enjoyed The End of Empire and look forward to it coming back for season four in the fall. I also sampled when I got back this week, uh, NBC's new World of Dance competition, uh, which reminds me a lot of a step-up movie. <laughs> there was a step-up movie, and I can't remember if it was the fifth, fourth one or the fifth one. It was one of the 3D ones where they were having a big worldwide dance competition. That was the big hook of that movie, and this is exactly what this show reminds me of. You've got all kinds of people, all different kinds of style of dance, all different age groups. The show itself, executionally to me, is a bit of a mess in how it moves people around and lays out the competition. The dancing, however, is really good, and the judging from J-Lo, Derek Huff, and um, Neo... Neo is spot on. So I'm skipping a lot of it. Jenna Tatum seems wasted in whatever capacity she's actually in. But the dance is good, so you can watch it in about 20 minutes for the hour episode and have some good dance and be on your way. Um, So I'll be checking that out. And I'm also looking forward to So You Think You Can Dance, which comes back on Fox on June 12th. So I'll let people know what I think of that when it gets back. Now, last night, we watched a movie. We watched Matt Damon take on monsters on the Great Wall of China Mm
2: -hmm. in a movie
1: called The Great Wall. Um, I was very hesitant of this movie in the theaters um, because, you know, dragons, Matt Damon, China, what's, what's going on with that? Why is that mixed together? I really enjoyed it.
0: It wasn't a great movie by any stretch, but it was a good popcorn movie. It was an extremely good popcorn movie, and I liked it way more than I thought I ever would. Um, Matt Damon plays essentially a uh, a soldier for hire. So he is in China, uh, wandering around, looking for the secret of black powder. He wants to take gunpowder back to... Uh, the wherever, West. ...the wherever he's from. Yeah. And uh, he gets wrapped up in shenanigans... Uh, as we learned that the Great Wall is part of a uh, security system, <laughs> essentially, uh, to protect the uh, Imperial City from essentially sort of alien lizard monsters from outer space. They came, they came to Earth on a meteor uh, centuries ago, and every 60 years they rise up uh, and eat everything and everyone in their path before going back into hibernation. And so... um, And the more they eat, the more there are, so they have to keep the the critters out of the capital city. So, yes, Matt Damon comes upon some of our Asian heroes as they are battling these uh, crazy-ass monsters on the Great Wall. Um, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it kind of got caught up in the... (sighs) the uh the what's what's the other one i'm looking for the the racial backlash that hollywood experienced recently like you know hollywood's so white uh and sort of the whole you know why does a movie set in asia need a white savior character um and i think those are legitimate questions i don't think that's what's going on with this particular movie um with this particular movie it's Uh, just a straightforward popcorn action film and what's going on uh with regards to the racial politics is it harkens back to some of the international co-productions that Hollywood has always done uh back in like the primarily the late 50s and early 60s uh when uh television was being a problem for hollywood so they needed to make things bigger and better and the best way to offset those you know extreme costs was to pair up with other studios uh in other countries so uh in the olden days they would help defray costs by everyone essentially chipping in uh and producing the movies usually overseas like in in rome and uh, cinechita or in Mexico, or uh, in France, uh, and that usually led to international casts as well. Uh, the cast of The Great Wall is an international affair as well. We have got Matt Damon, and uh, uh, I didn't write that name wh- down. What's uh, his w- site? Silent- Will- Willem Dafoe. Yes. Uh, Matt Damon's Um, sidekick in the movie is a Spanish actor Mm -hmm. uh, and the rest of the cast is filled out uh, with um, big name Chinese stars uh, that we've never heard of of course here in America. Uh, I think what China usually uh, excels at are these really big grand scale fantasy films that we unfortunately almost never get to see here in the West. Um, And The Great Wall is... uh, an interesting peek into that a slightly anglicized um (laughs) anglicized version of some of those large-scale fantasy movies that they're really good at making um so yeah it was totally like amazing
1: as the battles with these beasties unfolded
0: the battles are fantastic. What came far, far and above anything that Hollywood is doing right now.
1: Yeah, the the infrastructure that yeah. you're led to believe is inside the Great Wall was incredible. I mean, they, there's a whole city running around inside that wall. It was, it was really good. I'm, I I wish we'd seen it on the big screen because I think that would have been fun. Uh, but it's worth picking up, you know, on Netflix or wherever you, you rent your flicks from or catch it on HBO or wherever it lands on cable because it, it was a good time.
0: Yeah. So yeah. if you're a fan of Matt Damon or... And he was really good. Or battling big green monsters from outer space in feudal ch- China, um, <laughs> give The Great Wall a try. Now earlier this week... Wait, no. You talked to Pat when? This week. Just this week. It was this week. Yeah. One of our few just-in-time interviews.
1: Uh, Yeah, we talked to, well, I talked to Pat Hinshaw. She's got some new books coming out in Foothills Pride, which is actually going to wrap up later this year. Okay. And we also take a look at what comes after that. So I'm pleased to welcome back Pat Hinshaw to the podcast. Pat is the author of the Foothills Pride series of novellas available from DreamSpinner Press. Just last week, she released Frank at Heart, which is the latest in that series. Welcome, Pat.
4: Hi, thank you.
1: Absolutely, our pleasure to have you back. It's been a while.
4: <laughs> yeah, it has. I haven't been doing well, I did Frank and I started some other projects and so I've been busy writing.
1: which is good and I'm looking forward to talking about some of these other projects as well, having had a sneak peek <laughs> before we started. <laughs> but let's talk about Frank at heart. what What's happening in this in this new Foothills Pride book?
4: Well, Frank uh, is the local hardware, Owner And it's a family business. It's been in the family for at least three generations, maybe longer than that. And one of the things about hardware is it was probably with bars, the early businesses that opened during the gold rush. And all the rest, because the miners came in, they had to have picks, they had to have, you know, the the pans, they had to have all the rest of stuff. So Frank is dressing like his grandfather, and like his father, and he thinks of himself as sort of unlovable, because he's sort of the eunuch of the town, because they don't think of him in sexual terms, they think of him as... Frank, the helpful guy, the guy you go into the hardware store and you say, I, you know, my toilet isn't working. My sink has got a problem. I don't know what's happening with the lights in my house. You know, that kind of thing. And Frank has the answers. He can do the project. He's, you know, and so the people in town, you know, nobody tries to fix him up. Nobody does anything else because he wears a bow tie and he looks geeky. And so he kind of has resigned himself to not being a love interest of anybody. And what he ends up doing, of course, is driving out of town to the gay bars in Sacramento and, you know, picking up somebody, spending the night with them, and then coming back home into the hardware store, right, walks Christopher Darling. And Christopher is everything that Frank has ever dreamed about. And it turns out that Christopher might actually like him. And so the story evolves from there. Christopher is on the rebound from getting a divorce from his husband. He has a a teenage son named Henry, who is quite frankly one of my favorite characters. (laughs) And, So Frank kind of looks at him not only as a love interest, but he has a son. He has a built-in family. And family is what Frank really wants. And uh, since they're both older men, this is another one that uh, some people may call insta-love. You know, I took one look at my husband, and I could see us together when we were old. I really could. Just that image was right there. So even though it took us a while to get together, I just knew, you know, and that's the way Frank and Christopher sort of are.
1: How did you get the inspiration to put a hardware store owner and a video game designer together and then throw in a teenager into that mix?
4: (laughs) The hardware store owner, let me start there. I had a, an uncle, well, sort of a step uncle who owned a general store in a rural Louisiana town and I loved to go into his store. He had everything in this store. He had nuts, he had bolts, he had hammers, he had screws, he had everything, you know, and he also had loaves of bread and he had, you know, electrical tape and he had all this, so it was sort of this general store and he was that kind of guy, you know, People would come in and say, um, you know, I've got this problem with my electricity. He would close down the store, go over to their house, look at what was happening, go back to the store, get the parts he needed, come back, fix it, and then go back to the store and open it up again. And so I thought, you know, that's a character that I really like, you know. All of the, the Stone Acre stories, the Foothill Pride stories are not angst sort of (laughs) stories they're they're good people and they're outside forces that are not good people (laughs) but I want my characters to be flawed but decent people why Christopher as a games designer I knew he came from the Bay Area I knew he had just gone through the divorce and I was looking for a job for him you know what kind of jobs are available in the Bay Area that people get, that they have enough money to buy a house, which is what Christopher does, with cash, which Christopher does, okay, which sort of limited the choices I had. (laughs) And so game designer was one of those things. Um, I also knew people who had worked for uh, big game design places, and yeah they were making money hand over fist too mm-hmm. so yeah so i knew new kind of those people and so it just seemed like a natural fit plus christopher likes stuff <laughs> you know and sure. when you're a game designer and that kind of thing you want stuff to do stuff you know what i mean mhm you want to flip switches you want to walk through the dungeon and you know have to jimmy open the 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 chest, you know, and see what's inside and that kind of stuff. So he likes stuff and he likes the way stuff works. And so the hardware store is a perfect fit for him.
1: Sure. He'd be one of those people that hangs out at the hardware store.
4: Exactly. And, and, and picking up like uh, a hinge and looking to see how it works and how he could figure out how to make it work in a game. And Henry, of course, is a chip off the old block. I mean, Henry has got his his iPhone and he's got all the games on it and he's got, you know, the Switch. He's already bought a Switch and he's been using it forever now, (laughs) even though it's been out, what, couple months
1: something like that yeah yeah
4: yeah something like that so he's really up on this stuff and he likes hardware and software so he's you know really into this stuff. he is his
1: dad's son
4: <laughs> he is his dad's son even though they are biologically related they are through the the love of this stuff
1: now what have we got still to come in foothills pride
4: Okay, Foothills Pride is wrapping up. We've got two more books, and that's it. Then it's going to be an eight-book series. That's done. So the next one is called Waking the Bear, Maybe.
2: Okay. Working title.
4: Um, Working. This this thing has had um, maybe six titles, maybe seven titles. Um, Anyway, it's uh, Ben Bear, and if you've read uh, Bear Facts, this is the middle brother. This is Abe Bear's uh, little brother, and he is kind of a woman's man. You know, he ladies man that kind of thing. He's uh, always considered himself heterosexual. He he likes girls, kinda, you know, but he doesn't particularly like men that way. He's just kind of yeah, good old boy. He's just there. Uh, his brothers both came out in in the Bare Facts, and he had no problem with it. Well, he had kind of a problem at first because he doesn't like to think of his brothers as having sex with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's male or female. You know, you just don't want to look at your brother and think of him having sex. But anyway, so he goes into he's, – he's in the construction company, the same – Bear Construction Company is his brothers, and uh, goes into one of the abandoned buildings in Stone Acres, and there's this guy from the city who is an entrepreneur who's opened four bars in uh, a bar-restaurant combinations in San Francisco, in different places in San Francisco, and he's smitten. It scares the hell out of him. He does not understand why he has this attraction. He doesn't understand. And so the whole book is um, him coming to terms with who he really is and something he's never considered before and never thought about before. And so that's what it is. The f- most fun I had on this book is I got to make up four bars and I got to put them in places in San Francisco that I really love. So anyway, so basically what the story is, is my uh, country mouse, city mouse story of how these two guys get together when on the surface you look at them and you think, they have nothing in common, and they do. So, So you get a whole tour of the country, you get a whole tour of San Francisco, through uh, all of the bars and nice, it's going to be fun. Anyway, September or October. Okay. Okay. Depending on how many more names we go through.
1: <laughs> well, based on what you just said, Waking the Bear sounds like a really good name because you're.
4: Yes. I you're, think it's going to stick. Waking
1: him up. So.
4: <laughs> yeah, not right. I think it's going to stick. So we're just hoping. Uh, the other one is short order about two guys who are shorter than normal. And uh, so, our average, I guess, whatever. And the premise is you don't have to be tall, dark, and handsome. You can be short, dark, and handsome.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Uh,
4: it has in it uh, Fen Miller, who's a UC Davis graduate, um, University of California, Davis, for people who don't know, um, in horticulture. And they have a lot of ag... Programs at UC Davis, a um, lot of uh, things that go into vineyards. You know, people who go into vineyards do that kind of thing, but also horticulture for things like uh, what Fenn is in, which is bringing plants to impoverished areas. And the idea is that it makes everything in the environment much better. Mm-hmm. And so he's got two job offers. He just graduated. He doesn't know which one he wants to do. He has a cousin who runs a nursery in Stone Acres. And so he says yes when she says, hey, I need help. It's Christmas. I'm being overrun in my nursery here. You know plants. Please come. (laughs) And he says, sure, I'll I'll do it. He uh, rents a room from John Barton who you've seen in uh, When Adam Fell. He was Adam's uh, sous chef. And so they're both uh, not really tall men. And uh, and so they get together. <laughs> and not because of the hype, because they find a lot of things that they have in common. That's December. It's going to wrap the whole thing up.
1: Now, since you were here last in September of 2016, three of the Foothills Prize books have come out in audio. Yes. What's it like hearing these come to life?
4: Actually, you know, I love my narrator, David Ross. I I chose him. I had auditions for, you know, narrators. And it's interesting to see what he emphasizes and how he envisions these characters. But I'm not an audiobook person. (laughs) I can't, I, I do two or three things at once. So I listen to music while I'm, you know, typing away at my books, that kind of thing. And with audiobooks, I either listen to the audiobooks, in which case I kind of feel like I've lost a half hour. And it's my book. I know where it's going. <laughs> it's not like an audiobook that I've never heard and I think, oh, that's kind of cool. Where's it going to go? It's like, So I still haven't gone through an entire book and I feel bad about saying that.
1: (laughs) It's okay. I know other authors who do the same.
4: Yeah. It's just it's hard to listen to your own book.
1: What have you got coming up next? Foothills Pride's wrapping up. So, you know, bring us a little bit into twenty eighteen and give us an idea of what's on your calendar next.
4: Okay. Well, I have a book series coming up, three book series coming up. It's called Iris House. It's about an older woman who uh, needs, it starts in her 60s. The three book series are her in her 60s, her in her 70s, her in her 80s. Um, she decides that, you know, she can't, she's got a two story house. She can't get up and down quite as well. She needs somebody to help her go shopping. You know, if there are lights to change and stuff like that, she wants somebody in the house to do that kind of thing and she'd like somebody to drive her around. It's not that she's having problems driving, she just had a little accident, no problem, (laughs) but she thinks it'd probably be good if somebody else drove her around. And she's got bridge groups, she's got all these other things to do, so yeah. So she goes and gets this guy from City College. He's a student, he's 28 years old, he's been living on the streets for 10 years since he was 18. And when his parents kicked him out of the house because he's gay and uh, he moves into her son's old apartment above the garage. She didn't tell her son that she's done this. He's 28. He's an attorney. He's just become, you know, full fledged attorney. He's got a job and his mother tells him that somebody's in his old room. He's hired. She's hired this guy without his help, and he's furious. He's absolutely furious. So it begins with the confrontation between the two guys, and it's about how they ultimately get together and both love Iris. So the second book in the the, – that one's called My Own Michael. Michael is the guy who used to be on the street, who has a full-sleeve tattoo, has piercings, uh, yeah, all the things to make this attorney just love him. In her 70s, she needs, there's a break-in down the street, and so she decides that she's going to hire as one of the next boys, Iris's boys, um, a an AJ student, uh, Administration of Justice student from the college. And uh, the guy who is his mentor, says no, 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 (laughs) go go get a job at the police substation, go get a job, don't work for this old lady, you know, this is not helping your career, any, you know, this is a wrong move. Uh, And in the third one, uh, she breaks a hip and needs help, and so goes to the nursing department at City College to get A wonderful character, a wonderful guy named Ox. And everybody thinks Ox is the slowest, dumbest, stupidest person in the world because he is slow. And it takes him a while to get things. But once he gets them, he's brilliant. He knows how to do things. He knows how to clear through the clutter and do what's necessary, you know, and not worry about the rest of stuff. Anyway, and it's about his conflict with the doctor. It's about um, what's going on right now in gerontology, which is, do you leave people at home to live at home and die at home, or do you put them into some sort of care? And he and the doctor knock heads on that and end up getting together. (laughs) So now you don't even have to read the book.
1: Oh no I, there's there's a lot of nuances in these that i like I like how you're setting the romances around this a character we don't normally see in in romances with this older older woman who essentially now brings these men together
4: exactly exactly and uh because yeah, iris's son is is gay she knows he's gay, he is closeted gay he doesn't know he doesn't even think he's you know and and Michael keeps trying to tell him. Look, if I had the parents you had, I wouldn't have been out on the street for 10 years. You know, just tell her. She's Uh going to be fine with it. You know, and Michael's, no, 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 no. That kind of thing. But guess where I got the idea of an older woman? (laughs) Yes, indeed. My life in a book. (laughs) Anyway.
1: Now, you've also got this other... Book that we were talking about called buckaroo's heart that's yes up. tell us about that one too because
4: okay I, i'm well, really
1: into the to the description on this one because it covers so many kind of interesting <laughs> things in my view
4: um well i had four foothills pride books that i was going to write buckaroo's heart was one of them so i i originally thought of it as a 12 book series and Elizabeth said to me, no, 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 we, won't, we don't want that one as a, as a Foothills Pride. We want that as a full-length novel on its own. <laughs> you know, which, of course, as a writer, you know this, immediately makes you go, whoa, whoa, <laughs> you know, do I have enough to talk about? That's
1: it? a lot more and, words.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and it's a lot more plot than you were thinking about, you know. But um, Buckaroo's Heart is about this guy named Jake. And he's an illiterate, functionally illiterate cowboy. He can read a few words. He can re- read words like stop, <laughs> which is always handy to have when you go into town. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. But hes uh, he can't fill out forms. He can't do any of that kind of stuff. Uh, fortunately, he has a friend named Hank who can do that, so he hangs around with Hank a lot. Um, he and Hank become redundant because now ranches are have very few cowboys. Cowboys are expensive. Uh, you can do all of cowboying on uh, Jeeps and uh, Land Rovers and that kind of thing. And so suddenly, here's jake at age 35 or 38 i can't remember um sorry (laughs) watching it out for 30s yeah right um and he's out of a job and he doesn't know what other job he can get in a small you know rural ranching community in wyoming and so he goes into town and um there's a job placement center And a counselor named Les, and uh, Les has to figure out what to do with Jake, other than love him, (laughs) which works out well, but doesn't bring in any money for Jake. (laughs) (laughs) And so Les has got to not only find him a job, but the right job that makes him feel fulfilled. So that's all the things I'm working on.
1: That is awesome. That's a lot, too.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it turns out to be, you know, this whole thing my husband said. I turned uh, 70 last week. And my husband said to me, so now we're ramping down, right? We're ramping down. Has he seen
1: your production schedule?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends on what you mean by ramping down. (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah, the ramp is... Kind of going
1: up, but anyway, it's a fun ramp, though that's for sure. It's a fun ramp,
4: yeah, exactly.
1: All right, well, Pat, thank that's you so much for coming and talking to us.
4: wishing well, you the best of you, success Pat. with
1: with Frank and Hart and the rest of Foothills Pride coming out this year.
4: Yeah, thank you, thank you.
1: In Somewhere on Mackinaw by Jeff Adams, Jordan Monroe travels to Mackinaw Island for the Somewhere in Time fan celebration weekend. Once there, he becomes attracted to local stable owner Miles Coulter. When Jordan learns the stables in trouble, he wants to help, despite Miles' resistance. As their relationship grows, he dreads the issues that face them. Can they forge a love as timeless as the romance in their favorite film? Find out in Somewhere on Mackinac by Jeff Adams. Available from DreamSpinnerPress.com,
0: Amazon.com, and other ebook retailers. So that'll do it for this week's episode. Coming up in episode 88, Christina will be here with some summertime book recommendations. Cool. Thank you for listening, guys. Until next time, keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.